0: It is good to see you guys this morning and a joy to be able to worship our Savior together. And I'm so excited for us to continue on in our, our series in Second Peter. And so I just want to invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn over to Second Peter. If you don't have one, there should be one in the seat back that's in front of you. And we're going to just kind of continue on from where we have been, walking through this beautiful letter uh, from Peter to the churches. So as we do that uh, we're gonna pick up kinda where we left off last week and as you turn there we've kind of already talked about it but I think there's this uh, neat tension that kinda we get to wrestle through this weekend as we come into Labor Day and and usually Labor Day is a time to kinda begin to slow down, begin to rest, begin to kind of pause and kind of enjoy family and friends and all that kinda stuff which is so good for us in the Christian life though we recognize that that while rest in life is important, ultimately our rest is not about stopping from something, but our rest is found in someone. It's found in Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to be talking about running this race of the Christian life together. But I want to remind us from the very beginning, and this is where Peter begins this this letter, that, that our running the race of the Christian life comes from a place of resting in the finished work of Jesus Christ that as we've been reminded over the last several weeks that everything we need for life for godliness to to live the Christian life and to pursue Christ's likeness and reflect him to the world to become like him has been given to us by Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit And so as we talk about making every effort and what that looks like, we just want to remind us from the beginning again that comes out of a place of resting. Not resting from our work, but resting our hearts in the one who is our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So kind of with that context reminding us, let's just go ahead and jump in this passage when we look at verses 10 through 15 this morning. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities you will never fall for in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Verse 12 begins again with therefore and I'll just pause for a second this is the second therefore we have in five verses anytime you see a therefore in scripture we should ask the question what is the therefore therefore it's always pointing back. So everything he's saying about making every effort, being diligent, pushing further, stirring one another up, it's because of what Christ has done in our position in Him. Therefore, verse 12, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I'm in this body, in this tent, to stir you up by the way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as the Lord Jesus Christ may clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. This is the word of the Lord. When I was in high school, uh, my sophomore year in high school, moved from being a homeschool student, any homeschoolers in the house, not afraid to admit it, okay? Fee Few, of you, awesome, there with you. Uh, to public school, Daniel Boone High School, and I was walking uh, down the hallway one day in my sophomore year, and the cross country coach came up to me and was like, hey, you should join the cross country team. And I was like, hey, okay, why not? And so I'd never run or played sports kind of like that, track or anything like that before. So I decided, why not jump in? I enjoy athletics. And there were several things I underestimated. I underestimated uh, how awkward like the short shorts and, and clothing would be as like a runner. I underestimated how much your body hurts from running. Like, that just, it just seems like running is such a normal thing and all the pain that comes with that. But one of the things I underestimated was how, with cross country, how important perseverance is the cross country. The races aren't short, they're long. The practices aren't short, they're long. And it's this plodding and going and continuing and pushing up and down hills. And East Tennessee is one of the worst places to run because everything is up and downhill constantly. And that if I was going to ever be able to compete, I would have to learn how to persevere keep going, keep pushing on, keep pressing forward. That's the message of these verses that we see this morning, which is a continuation of what we've been walking through. And that's our big truth this morning, which is this. Jesus' followers make every effort to persevere. Jesus' followers are called to make every effort to persevere to keep going, to push forward. I want to highlight, and we just read it, but look at verse 15 again. This is the Apostle Peter speaking about himself. So he's already told the church, he's told us, the recipients, in verse 5, that we are to make every effort. We are called to make every effort to supplement our faith, and he lists these seven qualities. But now we come to verse 15, and look at what Peter says. He says, "...and I will make every effort." so that after my departure, and he's talking about his death, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Peter is saying he's not just calling us as the church to persevere, he's saying, I will persevere. I will keep going. I will keep making every effort. I will keep pushing forward so that you will know the truth and you will remember the truth and you will be able to speak the truth to others. Jesus' followers are called to make every effort to persevere. Called to persevere. And we see that throughout this passage, several things related to perseverance. First one is this we see the priority of perseverance. If you have your scriptures open, I just want to point out these continual words that Peter says. Look at verse 5. He calls us to make every effort. That's not passive, that's not reactive. That's action-oriented, it's work, it's labor, it's striving. The last couple weeks, Pastor Daniel's talked about how we are called to feed our faith. It's this continual action, make every effort. Verse 8, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they should be growing, they should be developing. This is a perseverance word, a continuing on. Verse 10, be all the more diligent. It's Perseverance terms. Keep going, keep pressing forward, be even more diligent in pursuing these things. Verse 10 again, if you practice these qualities, practice is a perseverance word, it's a continuation, it's action-oriented. Verse 12, I intended to always remind you of these qualities. Peter's saying, I'm going to continue on, I'm going to press forward, I'm going to keep reminding you of these truths. Verse 15, and I will make every effort Peter's charge to God's people, to us as the church, is a charge of perseverance, to keep running, to keep growing, to keep loving, to keep feeding our faith, to keep putting sin to death, to not stop pursuing Jesus. The Christian life is not meant to be a passive exercise where we just kind of, do our best and just kind of live our lives then go be with Jesus one day. No, we are called to action, to effort, to labor, to persevere in the faith. And so we see a priority of perseverance in this passage but we also see a picture of perseverance and that picture is Peter himself. As we go through the letter we really don't get a whole lot of pictures of Peter's life as the apostle. We see a lot of that in the Gospels. We see a little of that in Paul's epistles. But in Peter's letters, he really doesn't speak a whole lot about himself. It's speaking to the church and what they're going at. But in this passage, we get a little glimpse of Peter's life. He's an old man. Death is around the corner for him. He's run the race for a long time. And I don't know about you, but if, if I was in Peter's stage, I would probably be thinking, all right, retirement time. It's time to slow down. It's time to go get some seashells at the beach. It's time to kind of cash it in and ride it out into the sunset. But that's not what Peter says. I will make every effort. He's not backing off. He's not backing down. He's not cashing it in. He's not hanging it up. He is pursuing forward. He is a picture of us of what the Christian life is meant to be like. See, I think a lot of us we like Peter because we see a lot of ourselves in Peter right? Sometimes he's quick to speak and slow to think. Anybody else sometimes feel that way? Quick to react and slow to kind of think through. His his Christian walk isn't this J-curve that's just up and to the right of perfect following Jesus. It looks a lot more like the stock market. It's like up and down and up and down and up and down again. So we we resonate with Peter. But one of the things that I want you to see about Peter's life and that I want to be convicting for you and for me this morning that we see in this passage is that even though that Peter did not perfectly follow Jesus, amen, that's good news for us, this is important, he kept following Jesus. He didn't stop. He didn't slow down, he didn't waver. When he sinned, he repented. And even though his life is imperfect, it is the steady march toward Christ until Christ would call him home. And so Peter's speaking to the church and he's speaking to our church this morning. And brothers and sisters, I, I think one of the things that concerns me the most for us, for this church family, is that we would grow weary in doing good. That we would fail to persevere. In the context of this letter, we've really not gotten into it yet, we will in the next several weeks, is that false teaching has entered the church. False teaching and false teacher lies, distortion are coming in on God's people and God's people are prone to forget the gospel. They're prone to be distracted from the gospel. They're prone to begin believing lies that are kind of seeping in around them. And Peter's saying, no, don't listen to that. Persevere in the truth. You know the truth. You've been established in the truth. Persevere. Keep going. Keep running the race. And that's my prayer for us this morning. It's my prayer for you guys. I I feel like where we are as a church family, one, we are prone to false teaching and lies, too. seep into our hearts, seep into our mind from the culture around us, from cultural Christians around us. But I think another danger for us right now as a church family, and I'll speak as, as somebody who's got a young family, there's a lot of young families in the room, young parents in the room, one of the attacks of the enemy and one of the lies of the enemy is to so overwhelm us with all of our present circumstances that are hitting us this week that it distracts us from the gospel and it immobilizes us from gospel growth. We're so busy, we're so stressed out, we've got so much going on, there's so many fears, there's so much that's happening at the job or with our kids or at school that we struggle to press forward because we're so overwhelmed by what is happening now. And Peter is saying, hey look forward. Look past your present circumstance to your Savior. Run the race toward Jesus. Make every effort to persevere. One of the defining markers of the Christian life is perseverance. Here's the question for you and for me this morning, friends. Is perseverance in the faith a defining marker of your life? Is the defining marker of my life? Is it a defining marker of our church family? When people see Tri-Cities, do they see a people who are persevering in their pursuit of Jesus Christ? And so that brings up a really important question that I want to take a few minutes to kind of unpack and wrestle through this passage together. And here's the question. How do we, as God's people, how do we make every effort to persevere? How do we grow in perseverance? How do we make every effort to persevere in running the race? And one of the things that I love about God's Word is it doesn't just call us to things... It shows us how. It tells us how to live. It gives us direction, and we see that in this passage. And so I want to do is just highlight four big ideas, four gospel pursuits we see in this text that will help us persevere, help us be faithful in running the race. So let's just walk through these together, and then we will celebrate the Lord's Supper, remembering the one who persevered for us, our Savior, Jesus Christ. First big idea is this. We persevere by making our calling and election sure. One of the ways we are called to persevere and we pursue, and we run forward as Jesus followers is we make our calling and election sure. Look at verse 10 with me again this morning. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, Though you, though you practice these qualities, through them you will never fall. We persevere by making our calling an election sure. What does that mean? Here's what it means. We must make it a priority to put our faith to the test. To put our faith to the test. The words calling an election here are referring to the same thing. Our standing before God. Our right standing before God. He's saying make sure that you are in the faith. And that might seem like a a kind of a weird charge to give. What do you mean, Peter? What do you mean, if you're in the faith? Peter's saying one of the important parts of your perseverance and my perseverance in running the race that God has given to us is we are to examine our lives to see is there gospel fruit? Is the fruit of the Spirit being born in your life? Is the love of Christ being born in your life? Is godliness being born out in your life? We are to test ourselves, examine our lives, to see that we are in the faith, to measure is the faith happening in us? The word sure is a legal term. It means to validate or to ratify or to confirm that what we have believed is true in the way that we are living out. He says that this pursuit of making our calling and election sure is to be marked by diligence or effort. This word diligence is the same root word that we saw in verse 5 when he says make every effort. It's that same word. It's the same word he'll use again in verse 15 when he says I will make every effort. That means when we think about calling an election, this is important brothers and sisters. This isn't a suggestion or recommendation. This is something he's commanding us to pursue, to run after. And not only does he say that we are to be diligent, he adds emphasis to it. He says, all the more diligent to make our calling election sure. What is he saying? We must make it a priority to put our faith to the test. Now, can I be honest for a moment? Most of us don't think about this. This isn't something we talk a whole lot in the church. It's not something that we refer to a lot about examining our faith, testing our faith, measuring our faith, we don't tend to talk about that. But Peter is really clear. We are called to do that. Not just Peter, but we see that in other places in Scripture. 2 Corinthians thirteen five, the Apostle Paul says to test ourselves, to examine ourselves, to see whether we are in the faith or not. Hebrews, multiple times, the author of Hebrews says to test yourself, to check yourself, to examine yourself, to make sure there's not an evil or unbelieving heart within you. So why don't we talk about making our calling and election sure? Why don't we talk about testing and examining our faith? I think a couple reasons. One is, I think we're afraid to undercut eternal security. So when we talk about examining our faith or testing our faith, it kind of feels like we're saying, well, maybe you can lose your salvation or you can lose your faith. And we know that's not true. Scripture's clear. Once we are saved and in Christ, you are always in Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Amen? Nothing. So why are we called to test ourselves? Why are we called to examine ourselves? If nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, why should we test to see whether or not we're in the faith? Because Peter wants us to know for sure that we are in the faith. That being a Christian, being saved, is not about an experience that happened 15 or 20 years ago. When you walk down an aisle or you pray a prayer, you were baptized. But being in the faith is a life of salvation coming out in you and in me. It is the new life of Christ that is constantly changing us and conforming us to the image of Jesus Christ. Is that true in you? Is that true of me? I think another reason why we're afraid to talk about examining ourselves and testing ourselves is if we're going to be really honest and, and me being really honest I think sometimes we're afraid of what we might find. Anybody have like that closet in the house that you never open because you're afraid of what you're going to find if you open that closet or that box of things you're afraid to open it because you know that once you open that thing, it's like Pandora's box, like there's going to be some things you have to deal with. I think for some of us, the reason why we struggle to talk about making our calling and election sure is because we're afraid if we will test ourselves and test our faith, we're afraid of what we might find. If we really look to see, is Christ's work and the Holy Spirit in us? We're afraid of what we might find if we look there. Brothers and sisters, this is a call to us to see is the faith lived out in us. Peter's not talking about losing our salvation. He's saying we need to test ourselves to see whether or not we have been saved. Is your faith and is my faith genuine? Can you see it? Can I see it? When I was in college, I got to spend some time uh, in Nicaragua doing some internship work. And when we'd have mission teams come down, one of the things we'd do is take them to the local market. And one of the things that a lot of teams love to do is to go to the market. And you could go to the market, and it was this amazing thing. Like, you could buy Oakley sunglasses for $2 at the market in Nicaragua. It was amazing. And so everyone would go and get their, their Oakleys for 2 bucks and take them back. But here's the issue, they weren't real Oakleys, right? And if you took the original, if you took a real thing, and you took the fake thing, you put them next to each other, you could see the craftsmanship, you could see the differences, you could see like the O looked more like a Q than an O, and you know, kind of all those things that are there. And the way you know whether or not something is genuine is to put it against the real thing. Brothers and sisters, if you were to put your life against these qualities listed in verses 5, 6, 7, and 8 of Second Peter, these qualities of godliness, brotherly affection, love, self-control, knowledge, excellence, is your faith genuine? Is your faith real? Not perfect, but growing, progressing We are called to make our calling and election sure. We persevere by taking examination of our lives. Are you testing to see whether you're in the faith? Are you taking time to examine your thoughts, your desires, your actions to see if they demonstrate new life in Jesus being present within you? For some of us here this morning, that might look like going and finding a brother or sister in Christ who will actually tell us the truth. Not just tell us what we want to hear. We all have a lot of those people in our lives too. But find someone who will actually tell you the truth. Brother or sister, do you see the Holy Spirit at work in me? Do you see the fruit of the Spirit? Do you see godliness coming out in me? And maybe for some of you here, you're listening to this this morning saying, man, I've been examining my life and I don't know whether I'm in the faith. The good news for you this morning is that you can turn to Jesus. Trust in him, he will save you, he will change you, he will give you new life. So one of the ways we persevere is by making our calling and election sure, which leads to the question, okay, well then how do we make sure our calling and election is sure? How do we put our faith to the test? Second big idea this morning is this, we persevere by putting into practice a life of faith. The way we know we're in the faith is by the life of faith being lived out in you and in me, in us together. Look at verse 10 and 11. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For, and here's the key part, if you practice, there's our key word, practice, live in, exercise, action. These qualities are being lived out. If you practice these qualities, the qualities are from a few verses. For Those seven things that we talked about last week, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Two really important words. First, the word qualities. What are we looking for? What are we looking to see? How do we test our faith? Well, these qualities. What are these qualities? They are the fruits of faith. Well, how do we know what they are? Look back at verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement, to add to your faith. What? Excellence. Excellence with what? Knowledge. Knowledge with what? Self-control. Self-control with what? Steadfastness. Steadfastness with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love. These are seven characteristics of a Jesus follower. Seven things we should be pursuing. Seven things we should be trying to grow in. Seven things we should be asking the Holy Spirit to cultivate in us. That we are responding to. Excellence, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. Are these things at work in your life? Are you growing in them? Are they present in you? Are they present in me? Peter is telling us that we make our calling and election sure through the active, abiding pursuit of these qualities. To use theological language, our justification should be the fuel of our sanctification. Our right standing in Jesus Christ should fuel a life of change, of becoming like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have the seven qualities. What are we called to do? We're called to practice them. That word practice in the Greek means to do, perform, work, cause to be. And Pastor Daniel talked about them last week, so I'm not going to chase them. You can go back and listen to the message last week where he breaks those things down in our pursuit of them. But I want you to notice two things that he says about these practicing these qualities. First, it says, they keep you from falling. Now, let's highlight what he doesn't say. He doesn't say that they keep you from stumbling, In the Christian life, you will stumble. Can I get an amen? Okay, thank you for a few of you. Like This week, I have stumbled. You will stumble in the Christian life. You will face temptation. You will face struggle. You will face sin. We will stumble. But he's saying, if you are growing in these things, you will not fall. Meaning, you will not fall out of salvation. You will not fall out of faith. Not that you can, but your life will be marked by this ongoing pursuit. These practices help us they're like a life jacket in a boat they keep us if we fall into the water from sinking they keep us moving forward they are guardrails for us but not only do they keep us from falling but they ensure our eternal standing He says that we've been provided entrance into the kingdom of heaven, God's eternal kingdom. He's not saying that we earn our way into salvation or earn our way into heaven. The word provided is so important, but he's saying these practices ensure that this end is true of you and me. We persevere by putting these practices of faith into our life. So here's the question for us this morning, friends. Are we practicing and pursuing these qualities that are fruits of faith? Are these seven things active in your life? Are you trying to grow in them? Are you trying to take a next step? Are you asking brothers and sisters in Christ to help you take a next step, to help you grow, to help you run forward? Are you intentionally and actively trying to grow in excellence, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love? Here's another way of asking the question. Does your identity in Christ match your activity in your daily life? Does who you are in Christ match the way you live? Is it shaping you? Is it forming you? Is it helping you become more like Jesus? Not perfectly, but progressively are you becoming more like Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that, that we're trying to do as a church body is to create more resources that can help you pursue Jesus and grow in these things, but also help you help others grow in these things. And we have a couple of blueprint guides that we've put together that can help you in this. So if you're here this morning, you're wrestling through, I don't know if I'm a Christian. Or I have someone in my life, they're wrestling through whether or not they're a Christian. We have a blueprint guide on the assurance of salvation. We have resources downstairs that you could take with you and that you could walk with someone else that will help you answer the question. It'll help you examine your heart. Are you making your calling and election Sure. We have another one called New Life in Jesus. What, what does it mean for us to grow out of conversion to become like Christ? How does the gospel change us? How does it produce new desires and new fruit in us? It would be a great resource to help you help someone else. And I'm not up here to give a sales pitch, but what I am up here to say is that we are called to pursue Jesus together. We want to help you do that. So we persevere by making our calling election sure. We persevere by putting... Practices of a life of faith into action, but third big idea is this this morning: We persevere by putting into practice a life of faith. I'm sorry, we persevere by stirring one another up. We persevere by laboring to stir one another up. Look with me in verse 12 through 15. "Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. This is Peter's example now. And though you now have them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I'm in this body, here's our key word, to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as the Lord Jesus made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. So in verses 10 and 11 we see Peter's call that he's giving to the church, he's giving to us to be diligent, to pursue these qualities. Now in verses 12 through 15 we see Peter's example, his model, and what is he modeling for us? He's modeling a, a laboring to stir one another up. One of the ways we persevere in Christ and in the faith is by laboring to stir one another up to help one another grow in the gospel. Look at this passage again. He says, I intend. This is his goal. This is his aim. His intention is to keep these truths in front of God's people, the church. Not because they don't know these things. He says they are established in the truth. And for most of you here in this room, you've grown up in the church. You've grown up around the faith. You've grown up around scripture. You are familiar with God's word. That's good. But Peter's saying, hey, don't just grow familiar with scripture. Let the truth change you. Are you being changed by the truth? Is it transforming you? Because if it's not, lies from the outside will seep into your heart, seep into your soul, and distract you and distort you from the faith. So he's saying, I'm going to remind you of these qualities. Why would Peter need to remind them and remind us? Because we're prone to forget. We're prone to be distracted. Anybody in this room ever a little forgetful? Ever a little distracted It's like squirrel, you know, like all kinds of stuff going on. Peter's saying, I'm making it my effort because I love you. He calls them brothers and sisters. He unites himself with them. He says our Lord twice in this section, not just my Lord or your Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He loves them. He cares about them. And listen to me for a minute. Look at me for a minute. It is out of his love for Jesus that he loves God's people. One of the ways we grow and we persevere as Jesus followers is by loving one another, serving one another, discipling one another, calling one another to the truth. And that's what he's saying. He says, I think it right as long as I am in this body, as long as I'm here on this planet. It is not just a good thing or a healthy thing. Notice the way that Peter positions it in this passage. It is a right thing. It is a right thing for us and for him to stir others up. And what is it right for him to do? To stir them up. I will stir you up all the more. One of the ways we make our calling and election sure is by stirring one another up. What does that mean? to intentionally and proactively help one another grow and become like Jesus Christ. This word, to stir one another up, is it's an aggressive word. It's not a passive word. Several years ago, when... Uh, my, my daughter, Evelyn, was a lot younger. She was around, like, two at the time, three. I don't remember. I'm a dad. I can't remember ages very well. All I remember is the, the story. We were in bed late at night. And have you ever had that feeling when, like, there's someone, like, in the dark close to you, that kind of thing? Like, there's someone else present in the room. And I woke up in a start, and Evie was, like, right by my face in the middle of the night. And I was so glad I didn't punch her in the face because that could have happened really easily. Thankfully, I didn't. But it scared me to death. And she was coming to get a drink of water, need us for something, I can't remember what it was. But startled me to death. That, that's the picture that's happening here. The word to stir up means to wake up. One of the commentators I was reading said it means to stab awake. I thought, that's a very violent way to wake up, to be stabbed awake. In the Greek, it means to awaken, or it means to start a storm, literally in the Greek. It is an action-oriented, a, a provoking, and an engagement. Peter's saying, I'm not going to be passive in my pursuit of you because I love you. I'm going to actively remind you of the truth. I'm going to actively call you to the truth. I'm going to actively help you run the race. Brothers and sisters, we are called to do that. This is active, confrontational engagement with the goal of Christ's likeness. And can we be honest? In our culture, in our church, in our lives we're prone to just be kind of complacent toward other people. Apathetic. We're affirming. And Peter's saying, no, we need to aggressively be engaged with one another, to sharpen one another, to push one another forward, to help each other grow. That is not just Peter's calling as an apostle. That is our calling as Jesus' followers. Do you long to help your brothers and sisters know, love, and become more like Jesus? Is that a goal for you? Is that a passion point for you? Are you actively pursuing that? And that call is all throughout scripture. If you want to go pull the notes online, I have several passages there from Ephesians and Hebrews and John about our calling to one another and our active engagement in each other's lives. We are called to pursue one another, to provoke one another, to love and good deeds, to love one another a faith that does not actively labor to help others grow in their pursuit of Jesus, is at best a shallow faith or is it worst a bankrupt faith? Who are you helping grow? Who are you discipling? Who are you loving with the gospel? Who are you spurring on in the truth? How important is that in your daily and weekly rhythm? one of the ways we persevere and we grow in the faith is by helping others grow in the faith who are you helping grow who are you encouraging who is pushing you forward i want to be the kind of church that does that pastor daniel talked about that last week that when we fall down someone would love us enough to come and help us get up that we run the race that we push for one another we fight for each other we encourage each other as we run the race Is that true of you? Is that true of me? I long for that to be true of our church family. I want you to love me enough to help me, to encourage me, to pray for me, to press me forward in the pursuit of Jesus Christ. Do you love me that much? Do I love you that much? And so if you're here this morning, you're saying, okay, I want to do that. I want to stir others up. I want to engage others. I want to help each other grow. I want to run this race with people but I'm not sure how, I'm not sure where to get started. Let me give you a couple suggestions within this body. One is get involved in a go group. Start a go group or jump in a go group. And a go group is built, and the purpose is to help you grow as a Jesus follower, or help others grow, but also to help us go make disciples. Another great way is to come on Wednesday night to be a part of a quip. and I've been so encouraged by how many of you have been a part of that, where every week we're talking about how to build other people up. We're practicing that. We're creating a space where that can happen. If you want to persevere in the faith, one of the ways we do it is by stirring one another up, fighting for, laboring toward helping brothers and sisters in Christ grow. So how do we persevere? We've talked about three things. We make our calling and election sure. We put into practice a life of faith. We labor to stir one another up. Here's the last big idea this morning. We persevere until death. We persevere until death. What does that mean? We don't stop. We don't back off. We don't lay down we keep running after Jesus. Notice the way Peter talks about his pursuit in these verses. He says, as long as I'm in this body, and the word body there means tent, and the reason why he uses tent, and the apostle Paul uses tent as well, is because a tent is a temporary dwelling place. Like some of you people you love to like go live homeless and go out into the wilderness and live and hike in the mountains and like be in a tent and camping and all that kind of stuff. I would rather like be in the amenities of a home, that kind of thing. Uh, But a tent is a temporary dwelling. Like you don't live in a tent all the time. It's temporary. It's not meant to be forever. The same thing for our life on this planet. It's temporary. And he's saying, I am here only for a short time. I'm going to keep pressing forward and I'm going to keep making it every effort. He says, I know the putting off of my body will be soon as the Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. You can go back and read John 21, but in one of Jesus' last encounters with Peter around the fish and feed my sheep and that whole passage, Jesus tells Peter that he's going to die a martyr's death. And now Peter is an old man There's all this false teaching, there's all this persecution around. He knows that Jesus' promise about his life is going to come true soon. He's not hanging it up, he's not stopping, he's not going to retirement, he's not going to self-protection mode. No, he says, I will make every effort so that after my departure, after my death, you may be able to recall these things. Why? Because false teaching is coming into the church, Temptation is coming into the church, and he wants to remind them of the truth. He cares more about other brothers and sisters knowing the truth than his own comfort. One of the ways that we persevere in the faith is we set our heart and our mind that we are going to pursue Jesus until death. No backing off, no letting up off the gas. We are going to keep running after Jesus Christ. let speak to our older brothers and sisters in our congregation. I'll let you decide if you're in that category or not, okay? So you can decide where you are in that. Brothers and sisters, the younger generation of parents and families and young people need your example. We need you to finish well. We need you to be models of the faith. We need you to disciple us. We need you to be models of generosity and sacrifice. We don't need you to hang it up. We need you to run the race well. We need you to pull us along by your example. Please, don't quit. Don't retire. Don't give up. Keep fighting forward. Help us grow. Help us mature. Don't just see our problems and our faults help us. We need you. Younger parents, families, adults in this room, your kids and the kids that are coming behind you, they need to see you now prioritize God's kingdom above everything else. They need to see your faith on display. They need to see God's word to be the priority of your life now. Not just one day far in the future, but now. Don't be... Distracted. Don't be overwhelmed by everything coming in on you. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Focus on Jesus. Run hard after him. We need you to run the race now, today. To prioritize the kingdom today. Until Jesus calls us home one day. Are you, am I, straining forward to the upward call of Jesus Christ? Are we looking back? Are we looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith? Laying aside every weight and hindrance, running after him. We need to run with perseverance this race that has been set before us. So, how do we persevere in the faith? We make our calling election sure, we examine our faith, we put faith into practice. We stir one another up. We prioritize loving, engaging, pushing each other forward. And we keep going, keep running after Jesus, who's the prize. Here's the bad news this morning. You're going to stumble as you run the race. We are going to stumble. We are not going to get it perfect. We are not going to run the race always faithfully and effectively. Here's the good news this morning. We have a Savior who did Jesus is the picture of perseverance. He is the one who ran the race that we couldn't run. He is the one who fought the battle that we couldn't win. And brothers and sisters, he won the victory over sin and death. Amen? And because he won the victory, Peter can run the race. And because Jesus won the victory, you and I can persevere in running the race. And this morning as we conclude our time in response and we come to the Lord's table... Is a reminder of Jesus, our author and perfecter, who ran the race for us. Who shed his blood for you. Whose body was torn and broken for you. So that you might have life, and you might run the race of life. I just want to invite the team to come up, and they're going to lead us, and what we're gonna do is I'm gonna pray for us and as we pray after I pray the team's gonna lead in a song and I just wanna give you a few moments in response to just examine your own heart are you persevering in the faith? are you running the race well? is there any sin and temptation that would keep you from following Jesus with your whole heart? maybe there's some things going on in your life that you just you need to give back to God you need to surrender to control to hymn in. This is an opportunity to examine your heart to prepare yourself to receive the Lord's Supper. And Then once you're ready, as the team kind of leads in singing, you can come down, take a cup, take the bread, take it back to your seat. Then after the song's over, I'll come back up. I'll lead us through taking of the elements together. But this is your time to respond, to pray, to repent, to praise, and as we do that, I just want to remind us of a couple things. One is if you're not a Jesus follower in the room, this is not for you. This is just for those who've placed saving faith in Jesus Christ. Parents, this is a great time to withhold that from your kids who aren't Christians and later on have a conversation with them about it. Or if you're here this morning and there's unconfessed, unrepentant sin between you and another brother or sister, to pause, to go make that right. So whatever your next step is, this is your opportunity to respond to the gospel. Let me pray for us. The team will lead us as they do. When you're ready, you can come take the elements, bring them back to your seat, and I'll come lead us to the Lord's table in a few minutes. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that Jesus ran the race for us. That even in the garden, drops of blood pouring from his head, saying, if this cup can pass for me, please, but Father, not my will, but yours be done. He persevered for your glory and so that we might have life. Help us to be a people who run the race with perseverance. Would you build perseverance in us, Holy Spirit? Would you change us? Would you make us more like Jesus? I just pray for my friends, my family this morning. I pray that whatever is in their path, their life right now that would keep them from running the race well, that they would lay that down. And by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, you would change us. You would help us to be a people who persevere for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.